Hi, this is Giuseppe. Hi, this is Anthony. And you're listening to For the Love of Sophia. A philosophy podcast brought to you by the Public Philosophy Project. If you have any questions or suggestions, feel free to email us at publicphilproject at gmail.com. Enjoy the ride. Hey guys, we are back. Welcome back. One eleven. One eleven. I was like, it's not one eleven. It's twelve oh six. Episode one eleven on this. What is not philosophy thing? Yeah. And I was thinking the reason why this turned out to be hard, aside from you saying it was easy. That's right. The bad luck just happening <laughs> um, is because this is ultimately just the what is philosophy question <laughs> from another angle, right? <laughs> and so those things are uh, in- integrally related. Yep. AKA interrelated. We have a word for that. Um, <laughs> and so you can't think about one without the other. And this is just proving to be like meta philosophy from a perhaps more difficult angle. Yep. But just a thought, just a thought, just a thought. So at the end of the last episode, we got in, we were struggling to find something that is not philosophizable, philosophi- philosophizable, <laughs> yes, able to be made philosophical, yeah. uh, able to be made into philosophy. And we had some considerations. We played with those. We might play around with them more. We ended with stuff on emotions and stuff mm-hmm. that poetry tries to aim at. Um, and then we said we were going to veer into conversations about discipline and an otherness. Yeah. We kind of hinted at, right? And I think even some philosophers um, veer into this poetic direction. Like Heidegger in his later years, which I'm less familiar with, but he started getting into this stuff about oh, poetry can help mm-hmm. us arrive at things. Um, Schopenhauer, famously. And Bachelard talks about this thing too. I mean, his books are called like The Poetics of Space, The Poetics yeah. of Re- Reverie. And I've been reading um, a lot recently his one on the, the poetics of childhood reverie Mm -hmm. and it's almost like that perspective is outside of that thing right it's the chicken wing you can't get back there and i wonder if the difficulty i'm having is like because when other people say those things are not philosophizable they mean it's not able to be made fully rational Mm. that i agree with okay it cannot be reduced, but okay. it seems like maybe the scope of what is considered philosophy is a little bit bigger for me, and that's why I'm more like, well, no, that can be made into philosophy too. It's a more loose definition of rationality. It's not reductionism or whatever, but regardless, some people say this is why we do poetry, um, but you had mentioned the, the two other things, right, because we can move on from that. Otherness and the clash of the disciplines. Mm-hmm. And in the break, you had mentioned stuff about otherness and your skepticism um, towards this idea that we cannot philosophize about things with which we're not familiar or mm-hmm. that we haven't experienced. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Sure. And uh, I mean, there's two arguments that can be made, right? Some people might say that, and this is what I disagree with, right? Some people say that because I haven't experienced certain specific events, right? Certain specific uh, entities or what can we call it? Uh, Because I am not something, right? I'm not able to talk about that something. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing. And I disagree with that. Now, another argument that can be made is that if you are too far removed from something, maybe you're not able to do Go philosophy because you're missing a depth mm-hmm. that maybe you don't have. And that is possible. I'm still not sure that that is the case. When I was younger, <clears throat> meaning I was in college, I used to have this argument a lot 
this idea that some people would think that already back then that if you're not immersed into something, you cannot philosophize about it. You can't even understand it properly. Well, I used to claim, and I still believe that, at least partially this is true, that instead, in order to philosophize correctly, you need some distance from stuff. If you're too into it, you're not going to be able to do philosophy correctly because you are too attached to it. You need a lens that needs to be cleaner in order to see things better. Uh, but that is not necessary. Again, that's not clean cut, right? This is controversial, right? And the the analogy would be like if you're angry, yeah, you don't see things clearly. So you have to wait until you're outside of the anger mm-hmm. to truly view the situation, right? And yeah, and it's like the same thing as there's a difference between making, uh, writing down, or or thinking of an analysis of a of an historical event that happened 200 years ago. And making an analysis or writing a reflection on an event that happened yesterday in your backyard, right? Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. That we have, do we lose something by not being there 200 years ago? Sure. But are we more clean-headed and be able to see all the ramifications of these things and have a, a better understanding of the global situation, for example? Probably. So you lose something and you gain something. Yeah, but I think that what you gain is more important than what you lose in that case. Yeah, and I, um, so this, so the thing I'm going to say has happened before in the past, which is that there's this anxiety that you have, and that I suppose I also share. Um, that if we go down this road legitimizes some things that we don't want to legitimize because it would result in very bad consequences for us and the world. For the let's world. say, right? For discourse, for politics, for everything. Um, cause harm. Now I wonder two things. One, is there a way to accept the thing you don't want to accept without um, getting into those consequences in principle. B, did I do the one B thing? Did I say one or did I say A? I always do that. I sound like Biden when I talk. Um, (laughs) Number one, uh, or the second thing in my list, when you say that you're skeptical, are you skeptical merely because of the social political potential consequences or is there an aspect where you're like no i literally think it's possible to philosophize about this thing i haven't directly experienced i i think no i think that it's more b it's more the second one you literally think it's and then it just so happens to be that there are these consequences okay yeah i i think that i'm more scared of you know Swallowing that pill because of, <laughs> right, right, right. Because of the of the political consequences. But as I was telling you before, like this is something that that I've been thinking forever, mm. and again, it's twenty plus years, right? And I truly believe that there is there is value in studying things. Can you be completely aseptic about stuff? Can you completely be removed? Can you be the the, the eye from nowhere, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, you can't do that. That's, right. there's, you, there's always a level of involvement. But the truth is that I think there is a value in analyzing things and not just living them. Because when you're, to, when you're living something, when you're involved into something, you have all sorts of, of blind spots. It's inevitable, right? Because mm. you're surrounded by these things. You're living it. Well, instead... The moment this becomes something that you sort of, um, you know, you reflect about, you do the, the you take the meta step, um, you rationalize, then all of a sudden there's a disruption in your living, right? And that allows you to do philosophy properly. Um, otherwise, you are just an activist, I would say, which is a different activity. Which is, yeah, it's not, it's not philosophy. It's a different activity. Maybe we found an activity. Oh, there we that, go. Here you go. That's Acti- a good point. Activism is not philosophy because you are doing something, right? Because you're doing something and you're emotional. You're emotional. And you're excluding in principle a sort, all sorts of things, right? This is true. I think how, 
<clears throat> a silly example, probably within the history of philosophy, uh, nonetheless, is Marxism. Right? Mm-hmm. There is this idea within Marx that you know this controversial idea, and it's, you know we're going to simplify it once more. She's not going to do justice, but it works in the specific case, like the idea of the dictatorship of the proletariat, right? This idea that, you know, after the revolution, you need a moment in which we kind of reverse the brainwashing that's been happening with through capitalism, blah, 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 blah. Now, Marx knows that dictatorships are bad. Everybody knows that. and he, But he uses the word purposely because it's necessary in that moment. Because in that moment, you need a certain activism, we can say. Hmm. And an activist or somebody in that situation has to disregard for the moment all the rational things, all the questionings that comes with truly reflecting about what I'm doing, truly reflecting on philosophizing about what I'm doing, because you have a specific goal. Case in point, the revolution in Cuba, right? If you read some of the diary from Che Guevara and, 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 and some other people involved in that, the smart people that were involved with that, you'll see that they know that, how can we say, punishing by killing the deserters or somebody who's going against the revolution and the same thing for the French Revolution and so on. Doing those things, they know that there are questionable things to do, but they cannot question things because the objective is, the activism tells them that first I need to achieve that objective and then retroactively, we can reflect on things. So goal-oriented activity in which the ends justify the means, not philosophy. It seems like it. Okay. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Um, which means, again, that yeah, maybe that is a good. There's a good thing that cannot be. Activism cannot be philosophized. No, we just did that actually. Activism <laughs> itself, is, itself, exactly. Activism itself is not philosophy. Um, I forgot what we were talking about. That no, I think okay. I feel like we're doing this interesting weaving because you've now given an example. I I was like, yeah, it sounds good to exclude non-experiences, and you're like, no, but if we do that, then it gets in this direction. No, but um, I think that you. This stuff about the other is interesting because you can philosophize about stuff that you haven't 100% experienced. That's That has to be true. Yeah. Right? Because I have never experienced... So I'm drinking my stash double bergamot earl gray tea that'd be a nice endorsement um and yeah, you are drinking your wegman's Wegman. brand jasmine green yeah they should send us like they should you know there's some reverence bob wegman's secret <laughs> philosophy interest um i have never had these things together like i've never put in those two tea bags in the same water i think it's good i agree <laughs> just like i've never eaten mayonnaise on chocolate cake or something like that just like as icing <laughs> although some people are going to say it's good as in place of butter or something but i could speculate because i know what the things taste like separately about what they would taste like together it's almost like hume or Locke, right i've never experienced the golden mountain but i could put those two things together in abstraction and have a thought about it so that's true i can philosophize about that however well, and I think this is the case with the things you're saying, where, like, you're from Italy. I am not from Italy, so I can't know what it is like to be truly Italian. Mm-hmm. Um, I cannot philosophize about Italianness in the mm-hmm. way that you can, right? Mm-hmm. But I could still philosophize in general about that if I had some information because... Again, it'd be like me having the one tea bag and the other, but never having them at the same time. And you can read about that. And I could read about it. And so this is how we can talk to people that are different from us. This is how we can empathize with people. This is how we can make claims about things that aren't 100% the same as us because just because we're different doesn't mean, mm-hmm. you know, there's like this kind of monadic epistemology where like now you get to be a dictator over me because we're not exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Um, but... 
I don't know if I think the issue with that is the issue with not being able to philosophize about the total other. Mm. I think it's an issue of someone claiming that they're a total other when really they're just a partial other. Like, for example, we're both humans. We both live in similar climates, all that Mm -hmm. stuff. When it comes to philosophizing about the total other, that seems to be like the lock thing about trying to imagine something you've never experienced even adjacently. And that would have to be impossible, right? Because you can't think about it. Well, but but that's different, right? That is not just me being unable to philosophize it but it's just nobody can philosophize it yeah because it's missing one of those necessary conditions right which is being human uh, accessible to human beings that's an necessary so that's obvious almost yeah right okay fair there's i don't think if bold statement but if somebody can philosophize about something then theoretically everyone can sure there's nothing in that person regardless of well, well, you'd be surprised how many people think that. I, I know, because like when I was in... Well, it gets back to what you were saying, right? It's almost yeah. like this idea that, and I'm thinking of Marx again, that philosophizing is, is, is this bourgeois activity, right? Mm-hmm. And like, what's that line? Like, philosophers just want to understand the world. Our goal is to change it. And mm-hmm. Heidegger has this critique of this. But... um. And actually, Sartre critiques this too, right? Mm-hmm. He says, like, there are some that say existentialism and philosophy is just this, like, oh, you're so, this, like, privileged activity almost. Yep. But the point is that when philosophers do this, it's not like they're claiming, or they shouldn't, to have some special godly power where they're like, and I can do this, and you, the lowly people, <laughs> because I have the divine touch, are not able to do this. I wish we could do that. Right. And this is why some people critique. Like even phenomenology, lots of different philosophy, because they're like, well, that that's that's rooted in this one like social historical setting, and you're like, yeah, but that doesn't mean it's essentially that thing, or that it's limited to that. We worked together with when Brendan gave us that speech about Africana philosophy. Remember? Yeah, yeah, I remember. I was sitting right here. Yeah, yeah, no, I was. uh, We were watching it on the yeah digitally. That is an example of that, right? This refusal of certain principles. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, that's a good point. And it can go both ways, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, right? absolutely. Um, and I think the, the the fear that someone might have of just accepting universally all these things is that, like, oh, you're doing the totalization thing. Yeah. Right? And this is why you have Levinas, who's like, well, there needs to be an other. And in, in some respects, I think that's true. Because if there was no other, loss couldn't exist, right? Because mm-hmm. you couldn't have something. But that doesn't mean there's total divisions between things. So, yes. And, and again, that doesn't mean that metaphysically there are obviously stuff about you that I cannot access, right? Right. Like what, what number am I thinking? Exactly. Right right? Yeah. Or even occupy exactly your space and yep. stuff like that. I occupy more space than you, evidently, right? <laughs> but that is the thing, right? Those, aside from those things, mm-hmm. and there are, I'm sure, that being... And by occupying your space, I don't mean necessarily physical, but also mental space, right? Yeah, yeah. There are ways in which you are affected by things that are different than me, right? Those things are all true, but none of these things are different enough that will prevent me. That could prevent me from from just studying up on what yes. you feel something and eventually come up with a well-thought understanding of what's going on. Because you can have indirect knowledge or experience, yes. which is good enough sometimes. Yeah, and, and look, I think that this goes, this is rooted in this idea that we have now, us postmoderns. Oh, he's that, hinting at something. That the either the map is exactly like the territory or we're going to throw off the map. Mm-hmm. Or the map needs to be thrown out because it's not accurate. And if it's not 100%, there's no value in that map. Mm-hmm. It's just not the case. A map is a map and has a value because it's not exactly the territory. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, what's the point of the map, right? That's that's the Baudelaire you're reading, right? The, the, the drawing the map of the yeah. thing on top. No, I think that's true. And I'm wondering, so, okay, how does this relate to the discipline stuff that we've mentioned a couple times so far? Because there are different disciplines. It's not like you walk into a school and they're like, here is the school. You yeah. learned the things. Yeah. You know, there's different, quote-unquote, subjects. 
like everyone knows from a young age that what we do in spelling is different from what we do in math and that's different from what we do in yeah. social studies and science yeah so um, I think we were saying at the, at, the, at the end of the last episode how you know this difficulty that we have in finding things that are definitely not philosophical uh, or they cannot be philosophized about right uh, and we were wondering if the same difficulties applies to other disciplines as well, right? Because from the perspective of the one that's inside, that's living the discipline, right? Mm. Maybe uh, it's hard. It's hard to, to, to find things that are not sociological or sociological. <laughs> yeah, that thing. Um, and if that is the case... What does that say? Maybe do we have a blind spot and we're like, hey, we can uh, we are unable to to see things that in principle are not philosophizable because we are philosophers. Uh, do psychologists or rhetoricians or um, whatever do they have the same difficulty? It could be. I mean, because it's true that. I mean, psychoanalysis is one that you bring up where it's like the psychoanalysis analyst analysis. It's just, it's just philosophy means you add the symbols to everything. Um, and by symbols, I mean syllables. Uh, that was a Freudian slip. That was a double Freudian meta slip. See, I just did it again. Um, we'll say everything, right? Is oh, because of things yeah. happening underneath yeah right and it can all be understood in this way and you say the problem with that is that it becomes like a like a closed loop ideology yep and so i guess the question is is it is it possible for something to be a closed loop and not become or be ideological if so which ones can do it which ones can't do it or if it's not possible why and so if you talk to i just burped into the microphone um a physicist yep um and this has happened with physics students we have, right? Well, we're, we'll talk, and this reminds me of the rock conversation at the beginning. We'll talk about something. And they'll be like, well, no, 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 this doesn't make any sense. But we know yeah. because of, you know, insert person, that this is how things are. And they'll be like, this is the way you can understand everything. And our perspective, I'm like, that's, that's not how it is. And I guess the question f that we have to deal with is, are we doing the same thing that that person is doing um, and we're just blind or something? Or is there actually some special different status that some disciplines, including philosophy, have uh, over other disciplines when it comes to the, let's let's call it the... Just the domain. I'll mm -hmm. make it simple. Mm -hmm. That where where it shines its flashlight. Um, so I was thinking of two things while you were talking about this. One is a question, which is, well, basically what we were trying to do, not very successfully probably, was trying to figure out if philosophy is an ideology or not, right? Mm -hmm. And by excluding certain things, maybe that's truly the, the unconscious uh, guiding principles there. Um I was trying to figure out if we can for sure say it's not an ideology because there are certain things that are not included into that. Uh, and the second thing uh, that I was thinking on, which is related directly to what you, you just said at the end, is this idea that maybe philosophy has something different when confronted with, when compared to the other disciplines, that's to do with the domain. And what, come, what came to my mind was actually a specific book um, was the Tractatus from mm. uh, the Wittgenstein Tractatus, right? Mm -hmm. Specifically, because if you read the introduction of that, he says something like, you know, uh, who truly understands this book will throw the ladder after he has climbed it, right? Mm. Meaning that this book is talking about something that you cannot really talk about because it's putting itself almost outside of the domain, the domain of logic to explain how this logical principles work, right? Which is the difficulty. Exactly, yeah. which, is, which is this thing that truly cannot be done. And he has this whole thing that we're just pointing at things. We're not just truly saying it because we couldn't say those things. We just are pointing at stuff. And maybe philosophy is that pointer mm. that tells, like, this is, that can show 
all the limits because it's outside of this of those stuff, right? It is naturally different. It's like it's like the logic of all disciplines, right? Yeah, no, no. I think I think that's key, right? Because if you have something like logic or ontology, it's talking about what is yeah. and what it means to is. Yeah. And all things, which would include all things within every other discipline, would be, it would be that is, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. what are the underlying um, rules of all this stuff? And so, I, I mean, I don't think it's weird to say that there's a like i, I want to show you this funny picture which maybe you've seen before I, so I it's for the actually. people listening there's this funny image if you google disciplines arranged by purity or something like that mm-hmm. and it shows you there's the sociologist all the way at the left and all the way at the right you have mathematicians so at the left you have the sociologist studying something behind this person is a psychologist who says sociology is just applied psychology meaning we're more fundamental then behind the psychologist is a biologist who says, yeah, but psychology is just applied biology. And then the chemist standing behind this person is like, well, but biology is just applied chemistry. And then you have the physicist saying, well, which is just applied physics. It's nice to be on top. And then all the way to the other side, you have the mathematician being like, oh, hey, I didn't see you guys all the way over there. Meaning like this is all just, yeah. you know, math yeah. applied. And then there's a modified version of the image, which I love which makes that image a picture that's being held up by a guy, which is very heavy, saying epistemological philosophers. <laughs> so we're just holding up this whole, this whole conversation. Yeah. And so the idea is that the philosopher is going to say, all of that is true and you guys mm-hmm. are doing things, but, but all of this is taking place within a much larger more fundamental, more general, universal conversation. Mm-hmm. And this conversation happens in this thing we call philosophy. Yeah, it's like philosophy is the frame. It's the frame. Right? And it's, it's the, the framing of the frame, if you exactly. will. Right? Exactly. It's, it's the frame, but like a frame that's not part of the picture at all. And here's the problem, though. If it's the frame, and, and if it's the, the as much of the framing of the frame as the frame could do... Okay. <laughs> then there's not anything that can't be philosophized except the things outside of the frame. Which are the things that we don't know what they are. Which is the, the Mino, the things you don't know, you don't know. Yeah, the, right? like, like literally the other, where the capital Oh, o, the right? total other, right? Not not being or something like that. Not 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 being, I just stuttered. Not being or being other, right? Because Levinas has this book, Otherwise Than Being. Mm-hmm. And I don't like this guy, not, but, but I'm intrigued by his ideas. It's more so I didn't like it. Um, and this is because become like, we don't talk about this, but I think then that is making me think about the thing in themselves from Kant, right? Because those are the other, mm-hmm. and yet he talks about it. He talks about it in the, in the most minimal way possible. So maybe the, the romantics said that, right? The idealist, the Hegel, have it right. Mm. We gotta act like they don't exist. Actually, they do not exist because all that exists is what. Yeah, because we precisely because we cannot philosophize exactly. about them. Right, they're outside of the scope. But again, going back to the disciplines, real quick, right? Do you do you think that they have this 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 idea that everything can be explained sociologically? Do they have? The, I don't think they can. But do you do you feel that a sociologist falls? Would they prey? say? Yeah. I can imagine a sociologist saying that everything can be understood sociological because similar to the way that you say everything's already linguized mm-hmm. and colored by language, in other words, I think they could say everything is always already colored by social. Mm. Um, even my, my what would you call it? My solitary activity. Um, does that mean it's able to be studied sociologically? I don't know, but I wouldn't be surprised if one of them said it. Mm, I I don't think it'd be right. And I would the would would every other discipline say it? Like, okay, would the psychologist say it? Sure, because mm-hmm. they're like everything's happening through your mind, and we're we have the monopoly on the mind. 
the biologist would say. <laughs> but the mind is biological. Right, but you're just a body, and we're understanding life. Mm-hmm. And the chemist is like, well, you're just a bunch of chemicals. And the physicist is like, well, yeah, but you're just matter, and we're the one to do that. And the mathematician would say, yeah, but this is all just... And I think that's where it gets murky. With math. A little bit. Because... Because those other disciplines have abstractness, but also practicality. And I would say philosophy, too, has, is the most abstract, but also has practicality. Agreed. But, but math is, is like logic. It's like purely... I think it has practicalities, too. You think math has practicality? Well, like yeah. geometry, I guess? Yeah. yeah. Okay, right, because that's of space. Mm-hmm. That's a good point, but I mean. So we are we are organizing like some of the general education uh, courses at our, at my college, mm-hmm. and one of the categories that I proposed, we'll see how that goes, uh, is creating this new category. It's called historical and theoretical knowledge, and of course, all philosophy goes there, but also my proposal includes math in there too, mm. like linking these things together, and I'm. And I'm like, not science, just math, which is yeah. blows the administrator's minds every time I say that. Yeah, because they're like, well, math is science. Yeah, and you're exactly. like, no, it's no, not. not. <laughs> and it's funny because I, I recently started talking a little bit more with one of my one of our colleagues, uh, math colleagues, and she's agreeing with me. She thinks that they're, what they do is closer to what I do, what we do, than to what the scientists do. I think that's true. I think math is the closest. Well, Plato definitely believes that. Right. So, I mean, that's interesting that we say. So that's the card. So are the, are those other things not philosophy? Are they a specific mode of philosophizing? Or are they Look, psychology is doing sociology. philosophy wrong? Yeah, like which option is it? <laughs> oh, God. Um I think that they are different modes, especially some of them, different modes of philosophy. Okay. I, think it, I think it's a mixed bag. Some of it are different modes of philosophy. Uh, some of them are some of them are wrong and <laughs> doing philosophy wrong. And then some of them are just different. Okay. So let's speculate here. So I, I would assume you would say math is the one that's closest to philosophy that's like doing philosophy math right? is like philosophy okay it's not even like that different in my opinion like okay. it's really really they, they just use symbols we use words but it's like yep okay i would agree with you um another one that's similar in psych psychology i think it's pretty similar uh, i actually agree with you there at least some types of psychology yeah, yeah um i think like that. cognitive science right yeah yeah i even teach thing. a cognitive science and a I teach a psych- I teach a psychologist and a cognitive science in my intro class. Yeah. Um, and people always say like, "Oh, isn't isn't this kind of similar to psychology?" And I'm like, "Yeah." Mm-hmm. And then we have to have that difficult conversation, like, "Well, how are they different?" And I'm like, oh, "That's very long. Just do it for a while, and you'll figure it out." Yeah, and, it's, and I think that there is a, a, and this might be just my biases, of course, right? Mm-hmm. But I think that we are aware of many more things that your average psychologist is when it comes to certain certain topics and i think Mm -hmm. we are willing to accept fallibility much more than they do sure yeah because because i think someone would hear this and be like well like what do you guys think and it's like no precisely the opposite right i (laughs) we recognize the the unknowability of certain things or the fragility of certain things or where certain domains end and and others begin. And I think part of our criticism of some other disciplines is that they don't have that. Yeah. Like, I guess you can call it humility. Is that right? Yeah. Um, That was funny. We had a, a, I think I told you this, we had a club meeting mm -hmm. where the psych professor came with some psych students. Mm. And then when they left, our philosophy club students were like, Wow, they changed completely the vibe and the total conversation. I didn't hear about this. Because this is like this, and we're talking about consciousness with them. So, and and they were like, well, this is like completely different. And they were like, these people don't know what they're talking about, right? Our oh students. Oh my God. Because it was different. We were literally talking two different languages uh, when we were talking like about what, what's What's something that happened? I'm very interested uh, in this. Just, the, you know, the, the, the consciousness, even the word consciousness. Hmm immediately where they went was 
the psychologist went to awareness, right? Oh, wow. Well, we were like, no, that's not what we're talking about here, right? And yeah. I was trying to, to kind of steer the conversation and be like, look, is there something? And then we went to the, the you know, my identity and self and stuff like that. And there was a complete disconnect where the, our students were looking at each other like, well, are they serious? <laughs> what? So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think you told me before that when you tried to have conversations with psychologists, sometimes they're like, what you're doing sounds crazy. And like if you were to show them a paper, a philosophy paper, they'd be like, what the heck is this? Yeah. Versus what a, what a psych paper would look like. Yeah, and it's always like the, the usual annoying things like, oh, your, your discipline is open-ended. It's all discussion. Yeah, I'm yeah. Like, no, yeah. it's not. Yeah, or like where's your citations of empirical studies? Exactly, like you have no data. Like, oh, Jesus. It's data. weird. I think that's that's probably why we get frustrated with, with them because yeah. I'm like, but we're so close. Yeah, and right, you, and yet you and yet just so kick me. You kick me when I'm down. Yeah, yeah. I think the reason why there's a, I feel a kinship with psychology, is because. So you recognize the world, quote unquote, mm-hmm. but then at some point you recognize that the thing you know, experience, and know as and call the world, is mediated through this thing we call your mind. Mm-hmm. So when you when you try to study the mind, it's almost like you have a, a, a leg up in the game where you're like, oh, I'm, I'm not just studying the appearance. I'm trying to study the, the mode and the giver of the mode of the yeah. appearance, right? It's like you're getting closer to that a priori stuff. Um, and yet there's a disconnect. Because I think mm-hmm. sometimes what the, the psychologists do is when trying to understand that mode mm-hmm. the giver of the given mm-hmm. they like look to the given to give them evidence yeah. right you know what i mean by that yeah absolutely right it's like i'm looking outside of the window to justify the yeah. window in a weird way yeah, yeah. people can be like what the hell are you talking about um <laughs> but yeah yeah but anyway so there's this kinship we have with psychology uh, math, you said. What about these other ones? Like, uh, I think physics we do have. Physics and chemistry and biology. What about those? They're different. Uh, I mean, biology more than chemistry, in my opinion. But then I hate experiment chemistry. But uh, but they're a little bit different. We're already moving more in a different direction. But I think the one that it's absolutely it's like sociology. It's they're like. I knew you were going to... They're not going... It's not us. Okay, so I have a question. And we were similar in this respect. I think she's saying your name out there. I hear Rosa saying, Epe? Epe? She just said your name. Yes. Um, <laughs> do you think yes. that the, let's call them, intense feelings you have towards sociologists are the result of them being a totally different thing mm-hmm. and taking up a specific attitude, let's say, mm-hmm. or is it just the even more extreme version of the relationship we said we had with psychology where we're like, we know we're doing the same kind of thing. It's just that you're approaching it from such a like wrong perspective and parading around that that's what, so is it because we're so similar and yet so far that you're angry at it? Or do you truly think it's like a totally different thing? No, I'm, I'm under the impression that by definition, they study the surface of things, which is the opposite of what we do. So is that like history too? It's, mm, sort of, because with history, there is different. Like history, yeah. history is never history of facts. There's always history of ideas, which yeah. we do too. True. Uh, so I'm, I'm nev- I see a kinship there. Actually, out of all of this, probably history is the one that's... Besides math, the closest to us. Interesting. Uh, if I had to rank it, it would be math, history, physics. Before psych? Yeah, and then psych, then bio, then chemistry, and then sociology. Okay. If I had to rank them. Okay. So can... Someone's <laughs> going to be listening. Some, some sure. bright bright-eyed, wide-eyed sociology student or instructor is going to be like, what the hell is this guy talking about? What's your beef with me, man? And what do you say in the most 
simple PG way. <laughs> well, the truth is that there is also part of the of the fact that part of the fact that is the the the, the pushing us away, right? Mm. Like you, you guys are we're scientists. You guys talk about nothing. That's there too, right? Uh, but I truly believe that by definition, sociology tries to explain phenomena by just looking at the present and what's happening right now mm-hmm. at the at the very super it's a description they're giving a description of but a description as if it was an explanation of the underlying but it is just a description if you're a sociologist you're describing facts right? so you so you think that sociology is just one big um they're just taking, post hoc they're just taking yes Right, you're like event A happens, and then event B happens. Therefore, event B happened because of event A. Yeah, I think they're like they're just taking pictures mm. and writing next to it what the picture is about, which and then is being like we're not writing anything. Exactly, but we are not taking just the picture. We're taking the picture and trying to figure out where the things in the picture came from. Right? Uh, this is funny. So it's funny, extra funny to me because. My introduction to, let's call it, lowercase philosophical thinking uh-huh. was through a sociology class. That's funny. In my high school, mm-hmm. um, I had, it was just around the time when they started integrating new social studies classes. Yeah. They even had a philosophy class and, and I didn't take it and it was taught by, was he like, I want, was he an English teacher or a drama teacher? It was most like something. Like a, most like an English teacher. English right? makes more sense, but for some reason I want to... Because I think he did the drama club too. Anyway. Yeah. Um, and they were integrating like law and society and one of them was sociology and I took it. And I remember being like, I love this. I loved it because all my other classes, it was just like school. Yeah. And or Or, you know, if I was lucky enough to be in an art or creative writing class. But in sociology was when I first started like not just doing creative thinking mm-hmm. but doing something like philosophical thinking because yeah. you're like hey here's all this stuff why is it like that mm-hmm. how did it get like that mm-hmm. what's going to be the result of that what even is it in the first place and I fell in love with this thing yeah and I remember I had Mr. Sink he was a uh, uh, at my high school he was the best and he was a young guy I think he was a history teacher, actually, okay. uh, primarily. That makes more sense. And I remember going home and and talking about this stuff with my parents, mm-hmm. and that was like the beginning of the end. <laughs> that was the beginning <laughs> that was of... That, that was, was like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> this is not... Real life is not sociology. I remember that line. There was, there was a line that came up in a fight once. Um, real life is not a sociology class? The, yeah, this is not sociology class. This is like actual... Um, that's you funny. see this stuck with me all these years. But, um, you know, we looked at social political phenomena. We looked at things that almost seemed psychological. But it does make sense. There was a history professor. It does. And I suppose it could have been more philosophical than an actual sociology class yes. would be. Um, I'll give you an example. It's more open-ended. Okay, please. I'll give you an example. Yes. I once observed a sociology professor teaching. Okay. And one of my sociology colleagues didn't like. Everything okay? Yeah, yeah, everything's okay. Yeah, you're good. Didn't like the fact that I went and observed it because the result of my observation Mm -hmm. was different from the result of her observation, which I didn't know she ever did. Okay. She did before me. Specifically, she did not like the professor I observed while I liked the professor I observed a lot. Mm. And, you know, but she is the sociology expert, so of course. But, and now I, I mean, I kind of interfered, right, with her, with her idea and we got into a meeting and she was like, why do you like it? I'm like, I like it because, you know, I think that uh, pedagogically what he's doing works, discussion with the students, this and that, just talking about, you know, the, the, the nitty gritties of stuff that which I don't understand. It's like, well, you know, I, mm-hmm. it's out of my of my expertise, but I can see this professor connecting this nitty gritty stuff to more general questions, which to the kind of students that we have, I think, is mm-hmm. fundamental because they can see this stuff. And she was like, "No, 
Like that is exactly the problem. Like you're looking at things from a philosophical perspective. And that's not what we do. What we do is comes, everything needs to come from a data perspective. There's no big questions. Because sociology is not about big questions. It is about oh the data. God. The and, data, the data. And that was the beginning of the end and, for you. No, I was, I was already like that, honestly. <laughs> but, uh, and I was like, okay. Sure. Wow. I was like, sure, of course. That sounds exceedingly frustrating. But it, but it was like, okay, I mean, it's your discipline. You do what you want. You want to get rid of a good instructor. That's your problem. There are no big questions. No, there's not. There are no connections. It is about this and data and whatever you can prove through numbers, period. Everything else, it's fluff. Better than another sociology professor who claims that Marx was just a philosopher and is not a sociologist. Therefore, you don't even need to study it. It's a set of a bunch of bullshit. That's quotes verbatim. Which even for somebody that doesn't like Marx, yeah, that's no, like, no, no, what no, that's, the hell? That's not good. Yeah. That's a... I, I, I don't know. I, were, were you... Was this like early in your time at this place when you were observing or no uh probably 2018 okay so i i was there yeah okay okay yeah that would have left a bad taste in my mouth too i, I, I was like no but i honestly didn't uh, it's just an example of you know where the difference lies right yeah and i and to me it was like that was the right thing to do but then allegedly again i'm not an expert but allegedly the discipline requires of you not asking big questions, right? And if that's the case, that is intrinsically not philosophical. philosophical. Exactly. That's it. That's exactly. It. Yeah. That's, all, that's all I'm saying. Right. And that's to go back to the beginning and we can kind of close out for now. Yeah. Um, this is an example of like, here's our chart. Yep. This is the items on the chart. This is the rocks. <laughs> you, you follow these directions and then you classify it relative to this chart. And that's period, it. Period. There is no asking why the chart is set up this way. Nope. There is no asking how it relates to other chart. There is no asking about the beyond the chart, right? The, yeah. the great beyond. There is just, you do this thing. Yeah, and there is this idea that the data will give you the answer that you're looking for, right? Mm. The data is the thing that is going to help you making the correction that you want to make if you have a different idea. But that is not... That's impossible because it's already happening within the chart. But that is not the job of the sociologist. Then the legislator would do that, right? Hmm. The sociologist is the one who's collecting the data yeah. and making sure that we're reading it correctly. Okay. And then who does the other stuff? The legislator. The legislator? Yeah. Oh, God. That sounds, this sounds like Planet of the Apes. Uh, well, there's the scrolls and then there's the outside and we don't go there because this is our sacred scrolls. And again, this might be maybe idiosyncratic. Maybe this could be limited to the people that I have met that mm. they do sociology. Yeah, because there's another critique of sociology that would put us, not could, does put us very much at odds with them. And it's the R word. Oh. <laughs> Do you want to elaborate on that? Yeah, I mean, so relativism is in the heart of sociology, insofar as I could tell, based on the conversations I've had with people that study that. And this notion that we believe in something called actuality or truth, worse yet, that we think we can pursue it and get somewhere with it is like insane. Yeah. Right? Because different people and different cultures think differently. And there is no one thing. And there is, So it seems like the combination, which is a very strange combination, actually, of extreme objective data-orientedness with extreme relativism. So scientism and relativism together. This is like the devil. <laughs> exactly. That's like the worst <laughs> that can happen. You to need an exorcism after that. Yeah, man. That's, that's, that's really bad. And it's funny because... They turn against each other too. Like hmm. anthropologists, not good sociologists, they want to know too much about this thing that's called meaning. That cannot be right. Hmm. Uh, because I, I think anthropology is actually pretty cool. I think it's different. I, you know, it's it's similar, more similar to what we do within within like a, a 
terms that have to do with you know the study of power and uh, mm-hmm. relationship amongst people. That's different. We're asking why about stuff. We're not just collecting freaking data. I wonder if if my my sociology class in high school was more anthropology oriented. That could be a bit because it was those big questions and it was those connections. Yeah. Um, although there's still that R word in the background for those guys. But that, you know the 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 relativism thing. I and I think we've been clear enough throughout the episodes they're like don't talk anymore about it i'm done no no but i'm saying i think that there's a level of that that can be useful when you start inquiring about stuff 100 percent, and that's exactly why i was interested in it because when you're young and you're like it's 14 15 16 you're like oh my god there's more here than what meets the eye things don't have to be the way they are they weren't always like that they may not be like that and it's eye-opening right it's great as a starting point yes bad as an end point if you stop there then you are replacing those dogmas with another dogma with right? another dogma and you it's to me it's like a perpetual you made the adolescent eye-opening step and then just like never this is moved why, on from exactly. that this is why skepticism is great because you should always be skeptical and being like well but maybe it's not like this it could be otherwise and then you try to figure out what this otherwise is yeah. if there is and that's yeah. philosophy right otherwise you're just like um spicoli <laughs> like, dude, did you ever think about? Like, yeah, I thought about it, <laughs> and that's not philosophy. philosophy exactly. <laughs> you can end there. Exactly, exactly. Well, uh, our students and whoever is listening will be happy to hear that we haven't changed our mind. That's true. All right, is that it for today? What do you I think? think that's it. We're gonna go eat some cheese. Yep, and then we will start again. You All guys right. will listen the next one in. What, two weeks? Have a good two weeks. All right, bye.